my neighbors and many of my friends, they didn't know we were struggling in the way that we did, right? We were holding hands. We were laughing with the kids. And so we build these ideals inside of us of what a relationship should look like. And as humans, we love things to be easy. We want the easy road. We don't like to sit in discomfort and tension. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet, over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. Today's episode is different than any other episode because today I am the one that is being interviewed and I'm sitting here with my editor, Kate Sample from Pessy Publishing. So Kate, thank you for coming onto the podcast and doing this episode with me. I'm so excited to sit with you today and switch roles here. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. When you asked me to do this, I was just, I was like, oh, podcast. I've never done one before. And I would love love to do it with no one other than you. So thank you for having me here. This is so exciting. Thank you so much. And we're on the, we have just released the book. The book is out. But before we jump into all of that, tell the listeners a little bit about you so they know who they're listening to today. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you mentioned, I am your editor. Um, I do a lot of different things here at Pessy Publishing. But by training and by passion, I am a mental health clinician um, also here. I'm a licensed professional counselor in the United States here and uh, practiced for, gosh, 10, 12, 13 years, something like that before coming over and kind of transitioning to Pessy. So our parent company does continuing education for licensing, licensed professionals. And then I moved over to the publishing arm. So I am an editor. I'm a clinician. I'm a mother. I'm a wife. I am all the things that align so well with your book and the stories in your book, which is part of the reason why we were so thrilled to bring you on. So yes, I am thrilled to be here. And that's a little bit about who I am. I think that's one of the things that has been so reassuring for me throughout this journey of our work together is you continuing to remind me that these are the everyday stories that so many people can connect to them, that we've had these experiences. So I'm, I've just been so grateful to get the chance to work with you, Kate. Okay. So many of people have asked me about the process of writing a book. Sometimes we show up to these things as if it's like, ta-da, here's this thing. We've created something and, and we miss getting to hear a little bit more about the journey. And so I wanted us to sit together and really have this behind the scenes look into my book. I didn't sign up for this, which is officially out now. You can order it anywhere you pick up books. Um, and the audiobook, which is narrated by me, is available October 3rd. So be sure to grab that as well. It was so much fun. 
recording it. I had a blast doing it. I bet. I know people are just deeply going to enjoy this ride of hearing the stories and how I've worked with people to help them build healthy interdependent relationships. Okay. So I'm so nervous, Kate, I'm going to hand it over to you. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. We'll, we'll just, we'll just walk through it. I mean, I think you're right. I think that there's this perception that books just kind of happen. Um, and, Really, I think something that I've learned along the way of of this kind of new role for me in publishing for the last several years has been that really what we're doing is, I mean, you're trusting us with your story and your work. And it really is your baby, for lack of a better word, because it's your work. It's your story. It's, it's, it's your talents all on a page and you're kind of pouring yourself out there. And I think in particular, this book that you've written with us, that you've entrusted us with to um, put our best foot forward on, is truly your story. It's not fiction. It's, you know, which there's a great place for fiction. I read fiction all the time, but there's something very vulnerable and just risky in some ways, that healthy, cautious risk of, of sharing your story. So I want to preface all of this by saying thank you for that. And thank you for trusting us with your work. Um, so take us back to the beginning. How did you decide to write this book? Where were you when my colleague Carson reached out to you? Um, and what was what was behind all of this? Tell us the origin story, if you will. Yeah, the origin story. I remember sitting in front of so many of my clients thinking, I wish there was this book that wasn't just the strategies. The strategies are important. We need the strategies. We need the skills and the tools. We need the steps. And at the same time, what I also deeply love within myself, I've been a huge reader my entire life. I remember being a teenager in the summer, staying up all night to finish a book I had started at 10 o'clock that day. And just this deep love for story. And at the same time, I always felt that we learn through story. We become invested through it. We let the stories impact us in a very different way than the steps and the tips and the tricks do. And so I kept sitting in front of Truthfully, mostly couples with young children, they commonly show up in my office when their kids are three to five, three and five, actually, if we think of many of them having two kids. Um, And then a lot of mothers were coming in and many of them were saying the exact same thing and saying they felt disconnected. They didn't know how they got here. And I had wished so many of them could see the struggles that they were all having the everyday struggles that just so many other people were stuck in, were having to face, were feeling alone and a lot of shame around mm-hmm. because they were struggling. And then there, of course, we go into our own experiences and the reasons why we do the things we do. As therapists, we can all think, what are what was the the moment we decided to say, I want to be a therapist? Or you know, I often think of other helpers like nurses. Um, why do we go into these professions? And so really the piece for me has always been this desire to reach more people and recognizing that I can't do that one by one, couple by couple in my office. I have to do this in a different way. 
And that has always brought me so much meaning. So I wanted to bring something that was accessible for people at home, something that they could learn from with the everyday stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also that piece around showing up for myself as well. And mm-hmm. what's really serendipitous, I think, and magical is in 2019, this was, I had come back from my second maternity leave and still trying to figure out what my identity looked like. And one of my dear friends who had worked at the clinic I was at came into my office and was holding up Lori Gottlieb's, maybe you should talk to someone. And she told me what the book was about, the case studies and how she ended up in therapy. And I said to her, she wrote my book. Because that was just this desire inside of me to always want to share the everyday stories of people's pain and struggle. Because it has been such this feeling of what happens in therapy is locked behind doors and we don't know what it looks like. And then on top of that, a bit more different about my book in the sense of looking at couples is rarely do we talk about the fight we had with our partner. We don't stand at the park and say, I deeply resent my partner. Let me tell you, last night he's asking me about floaties for the kids. And in my head, I'm just imagining being on whatever. <laughs> right, um, right. I just wanted to peel back the cover, like the the curtain on that and say, yeah, a couple struggle. This is the hardest relationship we have in our lives. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I think Lori Gottlieb's book was absolutely a game changer in kind of doing that mm-hmm. um, that work of showing individual struggles and and showing her own. And I think she kind of set the pace for a lot of that. Just Yours, that humanness of like yeah, that up with like yeah, this is messy and it doesn't feel good. And how we can all relate to wanting to wanting to or actually having had sat in a therapist's office and just crying the whole session. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality. But the best part is that if you're worried about commitment, enjoy a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty on all of your purchases. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code SHRINK for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. 
For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom, and instead, my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using Loop Engage to help dampen the sound around me, and these Loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable, and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, there is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. And you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's zocdoccom slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. Debunking the myth that anything magical is happening in that office or that a therapist is a wizard of, of any, you know, of any sense. Like therapists are human too, you know, and so much of it is about connection and relationship. And you take it with this book and your work to another level because you're working with two people in the in this space, right? And so, like you said, it's the most important relationship you'll ever have. Um, and maybe you'll have one and maybe you'll have many, but it's still a very important relationship. You kind of alluded to this a little bit and saying that you're hearing the same things from, you know, the couples that you're seeing, but tell us about this title. It's amazing. And I, you proposed it to us and we said, absolutely. Tell us about how you chose this title. Mm. Yes, this came from the repeated expressions from clients in front of me. And when I first started to hear it, I thought, am I making this up? Am I am I hearing it wrong? And then it just kept showing up. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for this. 
And then not just in terms of the the emotional and painful struggle with my clients in my room and, and them saying, this isn't the relationship I wanted. This wasn't how we wanted this to go. The, these weren't our expectations. I also then found myself feeling and saying the exact same thing. And in, in my journey specifically, although as all relationships have seasons and bumps along the way, this particular moment was after having my second child of crying in the shower one morning saying, I didn't sign up for this. Mm-hmm. And, and then hearing it reflected back to me through my clients, it was like, yeah, this is the experience that we're having. Mm-hmm. And if this isn't what we signed up for, what are we signing up for? And how can we then move into the relationship we want, not just with someone else, but also with ourselves? Yes. And that yes. that was really important. And through the stories in the book, I also show how my relationship with myself really had to change as well throughout that. Yeah. Yeah. When I was prepping this morning for this conversation, I was thinking, what do we think we're signing up for? What are your thoughts on that? What what do you think that we collectively, your patients, whomever, what do we think we're signing up for? It's different for everyone, but... I think we believe that we're signing up for a lifetime of ease mm-hmm. and connection and support. Mm-hmm. We are social beings. We need to depend on others. That's our biology. And so, of course, we go towards that. And so then we think that connection will just easily happen. Yeah. And and then we'll have these experiences that are often portrayed to us in fiction, in the media, in movies, in stories, um, or even the other couple walking down the street. My neighbors and many of my friends, they didn't know we were struggling in the way that we did, right? We were holding hands. We were laughing with the kids. And so we build these ideals inside of us of what a relationship should look like. And as humans, we love things to be easy. We want the easy road. We don't like to sit in discomfort and tension. So we build this ideal that like a relationship is going to be seamless. We'll know how to connect. We'll just know how to do this. I actually sat with someone recently with a couple and they had said, we saw the other relationship struggle when they had kids and we thought, no, no, that won't be us we're good, we're solid, right? And so in a way, we think we've got this foundation in our relationship. And there are these moments in our relationships that are in our life that we just can't possibly prepare for. Some of them are living together because that's a huge change. Others are navigating co-parenting and blending a family or having children. Um, And then I also think of, I remember one member joining me inside Be Connected and we worked around the retirement of her husband as a major life change. And again, one of those times and seasons where we're trying to renegotiate, but we often don't prepare our relationships or ourselves for those changes. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right on with that. Um, I kind of got this thought of like permanence versus impermanence. And I'm not totally sure where I go with this other than I think what we think we're signing up for is that everything's going to stay just like it is and that our connection will carry us through. Our love will carry us through. Our commitment will carry us through. And I can speak from personal experience too, just knowing that actually things do change and most things are impermanent. And 
as humans, we're constantly evolving and changing. And yeah, I, I can see where people find themselves a little lost and thinking like, wait, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> this is not what I thought I was getting out of all of this. Yeah. Yeah. I remember my first uh, destination trip with Greg. So we had been dating maybe a year at that point, maybe not quite. And we had the seven days away. It was magical in all the ways a beach vacation is, our first trip together. And I remember getting home and calling my mom and saying, and my parents have their their own destination getaways. I said to her, I said, am I supposed to still like him after these types of trips (laughs) because it it being that you know we spent so much time together and of course we're two different people we're supposed to be different and I had I was missing my own autonomy and my own Mm -hmm. time within myself and I think that early response from my mom is something that really helped me um, as that, gosh, she was that young 22, 23 year old, where I learned that I can love somebody, I can hold two things to be true. And that impermanence, which is I can love somebody, I can deeply care for them. And that it's also okay, sometimes if I don't like all of the things about them, there's, it isn't to say that Greg has some kind of secret major flaw or anything like that. No, it's just that they were two humans. And Mm-hmm. And then we bump up against each other as humans are supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, yes, and, uh, well said. And I think that there's this, again, the, you know, resentments on the other side of expectation, right? It's like, we expect things to be beautiful on this beach vacation and enjoy every second. And I think that extends to motherhood and new parenthood. It's supposed to be wonderful all the time. And we're supposed to enjoy every minute. And when that doesn't happen, and, and I don't know, I think sometimes we think what's wrong with me or what's wrong with them or what's wrong with my marriage or my relationship. Um, yeah. And this book dives into all of that. So I love that you wrote it. It's wonderful. We Thank you, Kate. We, we do one of two things there and that's the internalization. And we say, this is all my fault. There's something defective about me. Or then we do the externalization of they need to change. They're the problem. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Neither of which is a great road to go down alone. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Right, right. Well, you mention in the book how we kind of feel there's this perception out there, this expectation again, that dependency is is a bad thing. It's not okay to be dependent. And early on, you said we are human beings. We're dependent on each other for our well-being. Um, but in your book, you propose something a little bit different. So you propose interdependence. Uh, which is a kind of a new phrase to me. I, I understood what it meant intellectually, but then reading your book and reading this many, many times, many iterations over the last year and a half, I'm like, oh, okay, yes. So tell us a little bit more about this and, and kind of what you see happening in relationships when it comes to dependence versus interdependence. Mm-hmm. We <laughs> are moving so far away from... We're trying, I think, this generation of people are really becoming aware of, well, first, um, they're becoming more self-reflective around patterns and dynamics that show up. Mm -hmm. And a common term that is sometimes overused or misused is codependency. Mm -hmm. I've had clients show up in my office saying, "Am am I codependent? Is there something wrong with me? And so what I've noticed then is that 
when we're trying to do one of two things, we're trying to be intimate and connected with someone, or then we're so that doesn't feel good for us and that's not working. So then we swing into this independence and autonomy. And what we need to do in a healthy relationship is finding that balance between both, between the autonomy and the separate self and the I, and then what that looks like with the intimacy and the connection. And by bringing those, so, so we're not swinging into codependency, which loses I, and we're not swinging into independence, which loses the me, or sorry, which loses the we, but we're instead coming into that we, the you and I, the coexisting and co-creating. And I, I think the struggle here is actually that tension that exists between those two things. The tension of how do I be in this moment with my partner and not completely lose myself? How do we find this we so that we can co-create and move forward, but that both people are seen and understood? Uh, we have compassion and empathy for each other. And when we have that, I see you and you see me, then we can problem solve and compromise mm -hmm. and find the path forward together. But if I'm busy losing myself and abandoning and giving up my own feelings and needs and being more in that codependent space, then I'm not going to feel good. And what does end up happening is we come into the more of this, these ways or patterns or behaviors where we create further disconnection from mm -hmm. our partner. We pull away in a way or we push against. And then same thing with the, the, the hyper-independence where a common thing I'm hearing from partnerships right now is, well, those are your feelings. I'm not responsible for them. And that's one yeah. piece of the story that yes, they are your partner's feelings. And then when we go into we, we can see that I have an impact on you, just like you affect me. And then how do we then move forward together? And that, I think that's the really the underpinnings of all of the work I've been doing since I started yeah. therapy. Yeah, yeah. You said so many great things there with, with the codependence What I was jotting down as you were talking was how you said, you know, in codependence, we lose the me and in the independence, we lose the we. And what kept coming up for me when you were speaking was boundaries. Um, there's so much out there now, particularly in the last five years or so about codependence, about boundaries, about, you know, and I, and I think that you're right that where people get it wrong sometimes and not intentionally, but it's like, well, I'm setting a boundary. I'm not responsible for how you feel. And it's like, okay, well, that is kind of a boundary. But what are your thoughts on that that connection between those two concepts? Oh, yeah. I, I think so boundary, <laughs> boundaries are needed in a relationship. Boundaries can be healthy. I think many of us struggle to actually know what that looks like. Yeah. And yeah. to understand that when we go into boundaries, it is this... Um, what I need, what I want. Um, but that doesn't mean your partner has to give that to you. Right. 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 I, I keep coming back to this experience, um, this example of uh, a client that I worked with several years ago. And there was such this um, traumatic impact in their relationship that she held an injury in her relationship. And the hurt the hurt was really important. So we were framed it as an attachment injury that the something that her partner had done really affected their bond. 
And anytime she felt triggered or overwhelmed, because they overwhelmed or triggered by something that her partner did, she had felt like he should be able to drop everything and respond to that hurt right away. Mm -hmm. And without dismissing the validity of her hurt, that's, that's true, absolutely. We need to work through that. It is the awareness that there's two people here and that depending on who you are with in your partnership, they might not be able to do that in the moment in a way to do we and us and how to look after you. And so then how do we negotiate as a couple, as a partnership of how she's going to get her needs met while he also exists in the relationship? And that that is an example that has always stood out for me in how we build that interdependence that yes, your need is press, is pressing. Yes, it's important that we hold space for that hurt and your partner needs to see and understand the hurt and you need to both move forward. And how you do that in the context of your relationship is really important. So part of the appeal of this book, um, I think it's everyone who has read it so far in my world has said, I couldn't put it down. I kept seeing myself in these stories that this author that you are working with, Dr. Tracy, has included. And always what I hear is that there's a sense of awe that you let us let your readers into your own relationship. Mm. So I, I want to ask you, what was it like to be a parent, you know, uh, navigating resentment, boundaries, the mental load, all of these things we've been talking about thus far? What led you to include your own story in it? As it, thankful as we are, we're also very curious. <laughs> it It felt like I was building a wall if I didn't put my story in there. In a way to say, I'm a therapist. I don't experience this stuff. I'm not human. And in in some of my most powerful therapy moments where I have seen people shift in my therapy room, it brings tears to my eyes, um, mm. is when I show up as a human with them. You know, I think of there's um, this moment with one of my clients where I've said, yeah, you know, that's messy. I've shown up messy in that way before too. And I get it. And there's nothing bad with you. You're not wrong. You're not defective. And so as we can, as therapists, we come from our frameworks. We have our roadmaps. We have evidence behind the types of models that work when we do our studies and our research. And we also know that one of the most powerful things, it's amazing, of all the things I've retained in my brain from grad school and from studying for the board exams is that 30% of change in psychotherapy is accounted for by the relationship with the therapist, by the therapeutic alliance is the word we call it. 30%. That's really the, the most solid research we've had to be able to say what creates change. Because there are so many independent, like there's so many factors, the individual client, the the length of the therapy, the therapy model. And this is a consistent factor that comes over and over again. And I knew that it would feel really hard. I also knew I needed Greg's permission to share mm-hmm. the stories. 
And he was so, and and he continues to be so supportive of all of this work I'm doing and the stories I share about him. And he sees the impact of this work on other people. So when it came to putting me in there, it was more the question of how could I not include my own struggle when I was going through many of those same things parallel with my clients. And and also to say, as a therapist, my stuff goes in a box and it doesn't show up in the therapy room. I'm objective. I'm outside of that. If I'm feeling too close to something, I go and consult with my colleagues. I make sure I go do my own therapy work. Um, But I just really wanted others to see the humanness behind people who also have these skills and tools and struggle. It's to say nobody is immune to this struggle. Right, right. And the way that you have gone about it kind of brings me back to the boundary idea because you are sharing your vulnerability, you're sharing your story, you're sharing your humanness, and yet you're doing it in a very boundary healthy manner, right? You've asked permission of your partner. You've made sure that you're getting what we call in our field supervision, right? The the guidance, the support of how you're going about sharing your story. Because certainly, I imagine your clients know that you've written this book. You know, they know um, that you have shared your story. So a lot of your clients may be reading it and learning more about you. Um, so what's that been like for you? I mean, this is kind of kind of related, unrelated, adjacent question, but you know, the times that you have shared your personal experience in therapy or putting this book out where your clients could very well read it and learn a lot more about you that they would normally not know, what's that been like for you to to navigate so far? So far. Um, So vulnerable, so scary and messy. There are these moments of excitement and joy that others get to get to see themselves in these stories. And then when we do that, we can heal and move forward. I think there have been many times along this journey, especially when I submitted the first copy to you, the first draft, (laughs) I thought, well, it's out there. So um, we don't need to go forward. Let's just go the whole thing off. (laughs) so in some ways it's like exposure therapy with like every person who reads it it's like that little more of that feedback of yeah we needed to hear the story oh your story was the one that I really wanted to know um what you were working through um I I have one there's one review that has said that the reviewer got frustrated with me because I wasn't changing and that I was the therapist and that I should have been changing. And she felt like it was repetitive. And I personally, when I read the review, my reaction was yes, because if you felt frustrated, A, it means good writing because when we have that emotional reaction to something, there's some good writing and story in there. And then the other piece is yes, because I was frustrated because my clients are frustrated in their life when things don't change. And one of the things I I remember, I think this was session four with my own therapist. And I said to her, I'm so frustrated. I don't like this. I just, it doesn't feel like anything's changing. And she had said, you need to let yourself feel frustrated. Because from frustration is where we can actually change and grow. So circling back to what you had said, the book has really opened me up in the sense of 
healing some of the parts that I thought I had worked through already mm. and seeing how they showed up writing. It was, I, I made very good friends with my perfectionist part mm-hmm. during the, during the actual writing process. I, I could see this part of me almost as if she was sitting beside me at my desk saying, this isn't enough. You're, you're writing this, come on, do more, put more in there, get more. And, and we know that we've trimmed over like Many, many words, 8,000, 10,000 words from my yeah. original draft. Yeah. Um, there, yeah. And, and then the speed at which I've had to show up in order to put the stories out there. Right. So, in the sense that you, Kate, and then I think of Amy, the director of the audiobook, just how quickly you've come to know those parts of me that other people may not see mm-hmm. the imposter that shows up my inner criticism, my inner critic, uh, my high expectations and perfectionist. And by, by why I want to say like by sitting with them or by walking alongside with them, it's just really helped me to find this new space of stepping back and saying, I know you play such an important role here in my life. I'm so grateful for all the things that you have done to help me get here and in this moment, I hear you, I see you, and you're safe. You're okay. We're good. Yeah. And it's We're gonna good. be all right. Mm-hmm. I actually believe that some of the emails I've sent you over the last year and a half have been directed to those parts where <laughs> <Or> I've said, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you know, we don't need to fiddle over this sentence anymore. We can let it go. It's okay. Put the perfectionism away. There is not an author on the planet, particularly a first-time author, who doesn't want to tinker until the end of time to get things exactly right. But the messy is what your readers want to see. They want to see the imperfection. And I I think that I um, have gotten to know you over the last year and a half and also your parts and also my parts have met your parts. And it's (laughs) been such a beautiful... I think evolve, you know, evolution of of us. But certainly, you the amount of work and vulnerability you've put into this book is apparent. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, "Yes, be frustrated with me." That means my writing is where it needs to be, and that means the messiness is there. So, yes, I, I love that your reviewer said that they were frustrated with you. That's perfect. That's music to our ears. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I loved it. I loved reading it. <laughs> so when you chose the clients and the stories you wanted to share, certainly for many, many reasons, both ethical, legal, and moral, you were not sharing uh, specific information about your clients ever. But how did you make sure that you weren't making the clients you're seeing now or past clients feel exposed in any way? Um, and and still kind of protecting their space. Yeah, I guess that's the question. How did you how did you choose your clients, the stories, and how did you make sure that you were still honoring and, and protecting uh, the clients that you have or had in the past? And this is something that's so important to me because the stories that I get to hear are one of the most meaningful and powerful things that I would not want to want want any of my clients to say, you told my story. And mm-hmm. And I think what's so important as well is that my clients who see themselves in those stories, it is not because it's about them. It's because it's about the human experience that we all have. Right. And when I thought of the stories I wanted to tell, the couples I wanted to share. So the the stories are, and actually, Kate, this is a difference between 
ways of saying this word. I learned this during the audiobook. So I believe oh. the correct way of saying it, as per an American dictionary, is a composite. So they're composite characters. Mm-hmm. Composite. Mm-hmm. Yes. I say composite. Oh, is that right? Yes, composite. Lots of funny differences that I learned while reading the audiobook. So they are composite, composite characters and stories. And the next piece I say, I think is really important for us to hold in mind for us in the sense of our common humanity. When I say this, though, I want each person listening to understand that your story is uniquely yours and your story is not like anyone else's story. When I created these stories, I thought of those common themes that show up in my therapy room. The client who comes and her partner doesn't want to come to therapy. I see that all the time. And then this, you know, personality makeup of somebody who is a perfectionist, who is struggling to deal with their people-pleasing tendencies, and then how that came from the relationships in their early childhood. And that doesn't, that's not different. That's why we write all of these books. That's why I think we have such beautiful books that come before this as well of saying, dear people pleasers, here's the book for you. And then we can outline what your early caregivers did that likely resulted in you in this way. So that was one piece. And then the other piece was looking at even the dynamic. So I looked at the individual parts of ourselves that commonly show up. Um, And then I looked at attachment styles that commonly show up and then the relationship dynamic. And those were key things that I looked at for what I wanted to show in in the stories um, and those common difficulties. So that common pattern of the pursue, defend, negative cycle that shows up. That is the most common pattern in my therapy room. And I know most people will be able to identify themselves in that story. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So these these stories are are uh, composite stories and are the stories of, I think, every person in some way. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of, of my clinical days in some ways, what you were saying when I was working with families, adults, kids. Uh, a lot of being a therapist, and I'm very much boiling it down to something very simple and black and white. A lot of being a therapist is repeating yourself throughout the day, right? Session after session. But the piece that's missing, and it's because of that commonality, that that collective experience that we're having. So I would find myself using the same phrases or the same examples or whatever it be throughout the day. And like I said, I'm boiling it down to something very simple. But what you're speaking to when you created these case studies is that very collective common experience. And I often would say to therapists or to clients, and I think you probably do the same, is like, I wish you could have seen the person before you who was just here an hour ago, because the details might look different. You might look different, but the issue is the same. (laughs) And I thought you did an exceptional job in this book of picking out in your case studies, um, your composite. Is that how the, the, uh, Composite. <laughs> composite. I just thought you did such a beautiful job of pulling out those commonalities and that, you know, although I may not have related as, as a reader and as your editor, I may maybe didn't relate to every single person in your book. I saw myself in little 
pieces and parts mm-hmm. of that story. And so it's just, it was just beautifully done. So which couple in the book did you enjoy writing most about in the book? And then also, or even, you know, which issue, which couple, if you will, um, do you like working with the most? Mm. So <laughs> the one that flowed really easily was Ashley. Ashley is the client who comes individually and she comes stating that she's there for anxiety. And in the end, most of our work is around the relationship with her husband. And doing uh, individual therapy for relationship problems is a very common experience for therapists. And how important it is for us to, as therapists, hold in mind, I'm going into my my education brain right here, but to hold in mind that we can't judge the other person. I never got to meet the husband, as I don't for many of my clients. And um, the, the, the reason this one flowed so easily writing about Ashley is first because I, I work with so many Ashleys in mm-hmm. my therapy room. And then also um, her people-pleasing strategies were just so clearly linked to what she had experienced growing up. Right. And then I think also too, there was that similarity of my own people pleasing and perfectionism and inner anxiety that showed up that it it was really um, easy to write out her story. So I'll, I'll parallel kind of both. So the couple that, that when I think of different parts of who like comes into these, these characters, the couple that was the hardest to write was Emily and Matt. And, mm-hmm. and at the same time, I mean, it's so hard to say what what clients have I enjoyed working with the most because I have been so fortunate to work with amazing clients throughout my career. And what clients don't realize is that I remember them deeply yes. in, in a way that I don't think other people can explain. But sometimes I'll be driving along and there's a scene in the book like this, but I'll be driving along and I'll think about that, you know, story that a client told me and how it changes me or impacts me. And so writing Emily and Matt, um, they were really dear to me because in one way, because they were very similar to my own experiences. Our cycle was very similar that was a couple that I needed to really make sure I wasn't in there in my own stuff because I would feel um, that frustration towards Emily's anger, which was really my own frustration at myself. Um, but then also the kind of like, come on, Matt, just do more because I felt that towards my own partner. But then yeah. interestingly, <laughs> interestingly, they were also the hardest to write and I wasn't prepared for that. So I felt mm-hmm. like I fumbled more and I struggled to really get who like the essence of this of this couple out um maybe in part because they mapped on so closely to me right and that was an interesting experience to see that yeah I can imagine I can imagine what did it take for you to to land the plane with this couple so to speak in writing it do you do you recall or do you want to share sort of what How'd you get there? Ashley was the easy one, so to speak. Yeah. Again, simplifying. And Matt yeah. and Emily and I agree, they were hard to read. I saw myself in a lot of that too, uh, their story. How did you how'd you make it to the finish line as beautifully as you did? I think I had to see um I think I had to peel back layers. In, in this couple, di- in this specific type of dynamic, there are often so many 
different stories that show up. So the theme with Emily is that Emily will will have something to start to always start a therapy session. She will have the thing that Matt didn't do that week. She will have the laundry list of things that he's yeah. failing on and how she needs more support. And so it, you, I almost felt muddled in all of those types of stories from clients. And, and again, I didn't say it earlier, but just to make it clear, there's no identifying details in there of any of my clients. Everything has been changed if there's any. So I think that's really important. So um, coming out of the, I guess the minutia, the like the the in the hard stuff, the the weeds, and then pulling back and being able to see what is at the core here. What were those defining moments that create change that rocked the boat? Because there are these messy moments in our relationships that are game changers. And sometimes as a therapist, you have to sit in those hard, gross moments where Emily walks out of my therapy session. And that was so hard to have that experience with a therapist. and then to then also in terms of landing the plane to really see the end of what that pivotal moment was when she opened up, when she changed, yeah. when, when everything started to change, but it doesn't happen right away. And it's like, it's almost as if as I was writing it, I was going through the years of therapy and like having to really like go, okay, yeah, here's this, here's this moment. Here's this key moment. And yes. that's, yeah, that can can just feel really weighted and then really hard. Well, it's almost as though you're experiencing it again. You know, you're you're kind of walking yourself through it again with yeah. the Matt and Emily is of the world and seeing it through to the end. You know, in this case, when Emily made the changes that she made, when she showed up truly in therapy with you, I couldn't put it down. I, I couldn't put the book down. I was like, oh my gosh, she got there. She did this, you know, and, and Dr. Tracy helped, you know, and tra- you know, it was just such a beautiful moment. And I know, uh, you know, the way that you wrote it. And obviously we have to give a nod to Chelsea, your developmental editor who helped Absolutely. make her words fly that she was, she's just so unbelievably talented and you guys made such a wonderful team. Yeah. Well, for your listeners sake, a developmental editor is not the one who does the commas and the exclamation points, your developmental editor. Um, and I believe that Tracy here, I believe you were gifted with Chelsea in this case. Um, they help bring your words to life and they, um, string them along beautifully and you guys just made a wonderful team. But in that moment, the way that Emily was written from your conceptualization your words and then you know Chelsea's polish as we sometimes call it uh it was just such a beautiful moment in the book it was just really really beautiful which chapter and I want to I want to give your listeners just an idea of what this book how this book is set up so these five couples right these five clients although one is an individual and one of the five is you (laughs) and marriage and the book i'm looking at the table of contents right now the book is kind of in these three parts aware acknowledge and align and admittedly when you first kind of pitched this idea i was like no we need more i don't know what aware means i don't know what acknowledge means you know but in these parts, there's chapters within each part and you kind of weave together and you go back and forth and revisit the stories. So we're initially in Emily and Matt's session and then you share some of your stories and then we dive into Ashley and then Corinne and Peter 
and we kind of go back and forth and they're all laced together in some way. And you have them anchored by these, this alliteration, this aware, acknowledge and align. Um, and I know this question wasn't on our list to kind of cover today, but I just think it's important to know for your listeners, what, what are those parts and why, why did we, and I know the answer to this, but for your listeners sake, why did we choose to jump back and forth between stories as opposed to saying, here's Emily and Matt's story from beginning to end. Here's my story from beginning to end. And I know why, but I I, I don't think I've ever asked you, what was your vision there and, and why break it into the aware, acknowledge and align? Mm. <laughs> that's, a, that's a loaded question. That's a big one. <laughs> I, when I thought of the book, I really thought about the beginning, middle and end. In, mm-hmm. in the sense of how stories are created. And I, I know for some people it can feel a little bit jumpy or maybe um, we would have preferred to see a case study all throughout. And th- that, I mean, that I think is just how different books are written differently and and that's okay. And I think the piece about this one is just because of how we change in therapy is that we see the the introduction, we get to know what the problem is, we have to actually build this insight into what it is that's happening. And throughout the book is that thread of what's happening in my marriage. And I I think a book where I map out X number of chapters of just me, I don't think that the, the experience would have been in there in the sense of what it meant to be working alongside people at the same time of trying to make changes in my own life and having these moments in therapy where it was almost like mirrors were being held up to me as well as I mean every experience I mean I think of even the fiction books I read how they stay with me and I be I'm a you you are a changed person from the moment you go from one room to the next from the moment yeah. you leave your house at the day and start your your work day, right? Like we're always changing. And as you'd mentioned earlier, that theme of impermanence and this idea that I'm going to be changing alongside my clients as well. And I wanted to show that evolution throughout the book. And then the three parts, of course, because we like to see beginning, middle, end. Um, and that it's almost as if there's these these ways of looking at what we're doing in therapy. And that beginning part is truly that insight. We need to understand what is the problem here? What are are we actually looking at? What are we struggling with? And then that second chunk of work is really all of that piece of acknowledging not just what's happening right now, but the old stuff. All of this stuff of who we were, of who has impacted our development today, um, and and even the exercises. So for the listeners, at the end of each chapter, I give you an exercise that you can do by yourself or with your partner to keep applying what you've just read in the story to your own relationship. And so each of those exercises are also within that, that part in my mind of here are some pieces to build awareness within your life. Here are pieces to do that acknowledgement piece. And then that last piece align, meaning how do we make choices? to then actually build the relationship that we want, whether it's with ourselves as Ashley's does, 
or um, it's within our partnership. And as I say, as Ashley does, actually as each client does on their own, because you do that mm-hmm. in a couple relationship as well. Okay, Kate, now I'm curious, why did we do it this way? I have to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel the same way. I was just thinking as you were speaking that maybe I have a little bit of a different angle having been a clinician myself. But I do think that we we wrote it collectively and and chose the direction collectively based on your vision in a way that we we follow you right we follow you into your professional sphere right where you're working with clients and you let us into your mind both clinically and personally of what you're seeing in front of you and then also what how it's affecting you as a human and then we see you kind of you know, we follow you back home where you, and, and by home, I mean, back to your experience, your story. Um, sometimes we're literally in your home and you're telling us about what's happening with, with your husband and your family. Um, and then we kind of follow you back to work and you see how you apply it. And we, we get to see the, the granularity, but also the complexity of working as a, as a therapist and a relationship expert what that takes to do. And again, I might have a different view having been a clinician um, for your listeners to understand how difficult it is to show up as a therapist. You know, I just want to give a nod to that because it's not easy work to do. And yet it's so important. Um, and, And you're so talented in your ability to both integrate and separate your experience from your clients. Um, but I loved the idea of, and I'm going to come back to the same word of following you through the experience and following your clients, because that is how it works. There are steps forward and steps back. And you might see a couple in the morning who made a big breakthrough. And three hours later, we're with Ashley, who you're working on the same thing for the ninth time, right? Because you have to sit, you're sitting with her and you're helping her through it, the Ashley's of the world. So yeah, for the same reasons you described, to see that nuance, to see that complexity, to see that humanness. Um, and I didn't, I I know that we were worried as a team, you, me, and and the rest of the editorial team we were like, is this going to be too jumpy? Are we going to lose people? Are we going to, and we didn't. It's It really is just so woven together so beautifully that I, I wouldn't have chosen it any other way. I, I think it works wonderfully. So, yeah. Amy, the director of the audiobook, was so lovely to share just how invested she became in the stories in the book and how she needed to know um, what happened for each person because because of that, wanting to care for and understand. Um, and then also what she'd reflected is she had said, you know, unlike other nonfiction books, this, this book was written in a way of getting me to keep turning the pages yes. so that I could stay yeah. invested in the stories. And yes. when, when I thought about the book that I want to write, I have to confess this. There are many books on my bookshelf behind me that I haven't gotten to the end. And mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that happens with self-help books. We sure spend does. lots of time understanding the beginning and then we don't get to the end where there's more meat. And when I thought of this book, I wanted people to get to the end to find out how Emily made that change so that they could also then feel that in a way inside of themselves and look at themselves in some way. Yeah, yeah. And I think the way that it is laid out, I think part of the reason people don't finish self-help books, and that's a podcast of its own, um, is 
that it starts to feel too hard or it starts to feel too repetitive or, you know, there's some sort of resistance to finishing, right? And the way that you've written this, I was invested from the first, from the start. I wanted to know how these people's stories ended. I cared about them. I cared about your story. I cared about the other four stories. But it's written in such an accessible way that it didn't feel like a heavy lift to apply the information. And that is, in my opinion, the art of therapy, right? Is to make change accessible, to make hope accessible, to make really anything that you want in your life a little more accessible without sounding too hard and without sounding too, you know, arduous or too overwhelming, whatever the word is. Um, I have to mention the banana peel because we even talked about using it as your cover um, because it represented so much in your story. (laughs) And um, I have to tell you, without giving away the entire book, I have had many moments in my own marriage with Ryan, my husband, where I'm like, okay, this is my banana peel. Like I need to let the banana peel go. <laughs> and the way the cover turned out, I'm so glad we decided not to go with the banana peel, but it was just so representative um, of your struggle and the change, like just represented the symbolism in that. So I hope others will have their banana peel moments. <laughs> I hope so too. I hope so too. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kate, for sitting with me today. Yes, yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. This is such a fun idea. When you proposed it to me, I think I was like, "What? Okay, sure." It's the the chance for us to understand uh, as an outsider, uh, me being a lover of books, the first thing I like to go to is I go to the acknowledgement section mm-hmm. and I get to see who all poured into this piece of work. And I, I remember someone saying to me at, at one point, um, just that it's not anyone's business what other people think of your book. And that's really scary and also really freeing at the same time. But for us as the outsiders to know that there's so much that goes into creating a book. There yeah. is so much, there's there's not, it doesn't happen with one person, it happens with this amazing team behind the scenes. Um, it happens for me in particular, it happens with a husband who was at home for many hours extra while yeah. I was in the office writing and still doing clinical at the same time. And that there's a lot of magic behind it, I think. So Mm -hmm. I am so excited for everybody to get their hands on this book and just just to be part of this journey of opening the door to what it looks like inside everyday relationships and to really step into that interdependence and finding that we in a relationship and, and finding that relationship that we do sign up for. Yeah, I love that. Well, as I said at the beginning, thank you so much for trusting us with your work, for trusting us with your words and your stories. It's been an absolute honor. We're so excited that the book is here. It always feels like such a long journey. And we're here. The book is out and people are buying it and it's wonderful. And all the things are going the way that we, you know, they're exceeding expectations, what we hoped would happen. And at the core of that is you with a vision two years ago. Um, and taking a chance on us and taking a chance on yourself. And we're just, we're just thrilled to be a part of it. So thank you for letting us walk alongside you. 
Thank you, Kate. And just for the listeners, if you have picked up the book already and you're in it and you are on the journey with us, I would love to hear from you. And one of the best ways you can support me is by leaving a review on Amazon. Let others know what you think of the book. If you haven't grabbed the book, go ahead and grab it. It's available wherever you pick up books. Also, you can head over to my website, to Pessy's website. And thank you everyone for joining us today. Thanks, Kate. Thank you. Remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. See you next week. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk. Thank you.